It's a Northern Virginia Church Academy special. I'm Matt Fisk, along with my wife, Katie Fisk, uh, Roxanne Little, and Brett Kreider, our teacher here with us. And we're going to be talking about uh, Marty Solomon, uh, a couple, I guess a week ago now, was in Washington, D.C. and did a special presentation called The Four Pillars. And it's a run through uh, of his basic teachings about discipleship and kind of what he goes back to. If you don't know who Marty Solomon is, he is the the uh, momentum and the teacher behind the Bema Discipleship podcast series, does a lot of other stuff. Uh, th- if you haven't checked that out, check it out. We talk about it all the time, but it's a great place to start to get you thinking. And the four of us went to this event downtown DC in the Miracle Theater. Never been there before. It was really cool. Uh, but we wanted to give you guys who didn't have a chance to to be there a taste of what he talked about. And uh, we're going to go through his four pillars, but we're going to start with where he starts, which is the difference between Eastern thought and Western thought. So Katie, what what stood out to you as you were thinking this through, as you were hearing Marty talk about the Eastern versus Western mentality? I think what stood out to me was that in Western thought, we're so focused on logical statements and facts, but Eastern thought is more focused on experience and pictures and stories. Mm -hmm. And that really made me start to see the Bible and read the Bible differently. And it started to make more sense why there's so many descriptive words in the Bible. And there's, there's all this long poetry where I'm like, I feel like you could just sum that up in one sentence. Mm. Why do you go on for pages and pages? But it makes a lot more sense now. And it also helps me to understand why the people in the Bible talk the way they do and that they use stories and they use parables because that's the way an Easterner thinks. Um, I think the other big thing that really stood out to me was how um, Westerners see eternal life as something that begins after death, whereas Easterners see eternal life as something that you can live now. It's this life in harmony with God. And that was so encouraging and so amazing to think about that because I sometimes when I'm really struggling, I'm like, okay, like just waiting for heaven. But, you know, maybe that's like 50 years from now. And that just feels very long and very far away. But the thought that I could have eternal life with him here, living in harmony with him, experiencing heaven on earth is actually possible was really cool. Yeah, I think it's even kind of scary for me thinking through like, okay, truth. The big thing that stuck out to me was you talked about from a Western point of view, we want truth to be static. We Mm -hmm. want it to be discreet. We want it to be never changing, scientific, provable. And the, the Easterner will look at it and say, truth is unfolding. And that's, that's really scary to me because I want truth to be reliable. I want it to be, it's, it, it's this way. It's always this way. Two plus two always equals four. But, you know, looking through that as it starts to breathe and expand, it, it's, it's a bit unnerving as a Westerner. Mm-hmm. And it makes me go, well, well, what if we get it wrong? And the, the Western mindset is okay. Well, we, well, we, well then we got to get it right. And and well, maybe we. The, the problem is that it, it, we've always gotten it wrong at some point. And the Easterner just assumes that's going to happen and can't wait for the next breathing of it. You know, and it's yeah. it's kind of scary. Yeah, I'll jump in here because uh, one of the major things that's changed in my uh, understanding of the Eastern versus Western thinking is to look at it as a teaching method that the rabbis had these uh, ways of teaching 
that we're designed not to give the answers. Too often, I want to get up there and I'm going to tell you, here's what I'm going to tell you. Now I'm going to tell you, and here's what I just told you. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure they get the point. Deductive. And that kind of teaching is very different than what they do in the Eastern teaching method. And, and what I found there is they're trying to get their pupils to think. Mm. They're trying to get them to wrestle with truth. Truth isn't going to unfold if you only think that it means one or one thing or another. But if you really believe that by getting in discussion, by wrestling with your relationship with the story, that you're going to come to a deeper understanding then you understand more of what the, the teachers were trying to do in the Eastern culture. Mm. And a lot of times they would hide things yeah. in the story. They weren't actually intentionally, they were intentionally hiding. When Jesus says to them, the reason that you don't understand the parables is because you weren't meant to understand them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of shocked me. And I thought, well, what does it mean for, for me? Um, I've got, that's part of the reason why reading the Bible is so exciting. When you get into the scriptures, every time you read it, you're at a different point in your life, mm-hmm. and there's a different angle, there's a different depth, and it, your relationship with that truth grows. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That seems unfair that a rabbi would, would <laughs> teach you something, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Jerk, why are you teaching me then? But it is so interesting because it, 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 we can't be lazy. Like we have to, we have to work for it. If you want it, you gotta, you gotta dig, which is really interesting. I think, um, just even that, the whole concept of the truth unfolding, what's in my head is like a box, a little black box, actually a little black cube. It's racist. I, <laughs> it's so funny, but a little black cube and the top folds off and then the side folds off and then it just keeps folding outwards and it, it ends up taking up the space. And so for me, it doesn't scare me. It comforts me because everything will eventually align with this truth because it's going to it's going to take over. And so it never moves because it starts in that one center and it just it spreads and it grows. And then I start thinking about an amoeba and I I just love the scary. You see, for me, it's comforting because I know that the truth will find me. It kind of reminds me of the Matrix. The truth is out there. It will find you if you want it to. <laughs> but like this, the truth is is there and it's waiting for me and it's growing. And maybe I can't see it yet, but it's it's growing and it's bigger. And so maybe one day I'll catch a glimpse and maybe one day I'll catch even more of a glimpse. And then even that idea that you talked about with a rabbi, I think about us as women. We blossom and we bloom. And what we like, speaking at least for me, is to be discovered mm. and known. And if God just gave me a list of answers even though there's a part of my brain that just wants the list of answers, the right way, quote unquote, to do things, everything, <laughs> I I lose the relationship mm. because it's like, thank you for my 10 things. I'll do my 10 things and I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. But when it's this rich discovery, God's never boring. Mm. I'll yeah. never get too old for God. God will never become this been there, done that. Yeah. It's another yeah. deeper level more fun to have in our relationship and it's like this this wonderful romance that i can have with him yeah and that's when i remember that he's behind the bible and it's his writing to me even though i'm he i'm like a outsider in that convo but somehow he's still writing to me it it keeps it rich and fresh yeah it makes me think of that hebrew word yada to intimately know or to be known to be completely seen and how in Western thought, when we approach the Bible, we, we think we're trying to figure out what is God. 
Oh, God is blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. Omniscient, <laughs> omnipresent, you know. These things that we're like, okay, what does that even mean? Or God is righteous, but then it's just all these statements or these facts. But in Eastern thinking, they approach God trying to find out who is God? What is this God like? How does he relate? And they they seek to experience God and have stories about them and themselves with God and how God has worked and how they experience God in this moment or in this day or in this situation. And it makes me think of that, yada, intimately coming to know God and see God. Now, I was going to ask a question to Brett with, 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 with all this. Okay. So I, as our church is getting more into the the Jewish side, a big question that I keep having to to come back to, and people are asking me, is why do we care about the Jewishness of these scriptures? Because we are not Jewish, and we are you telling me I need to be Jewish? And I was like, no. Well, then why why do I need to do this? What what is the point of bringing the Eastern versus the Western perspective? Why do we do that? I'm going to start in the New Testament and say that uh, we are Israel according to Romans 9 and 10, that the church is the new Israel. And so sometimes we assume that that's separate or, you know, completely different from the old Israel, like we're the better version or something, Mm. which is an arrogance that I think forgets the story and the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. Now, when you go back to the beginning and you start reading Genesis and looking at this relationship, God has told the same story over and over and over again. The Israelites struggle with the same things that we struggle with. Uh, Being a Christian, sometimes we think, oh, it's so much different than being a Jew. And yet when you read the prophets, when you read the Old Testament struggles, we can relate to every one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for our church to maintain that relationship focus. As Westerners, I, I, I love what you said, but can you imagine if I was to characterize you with 10 words mm-hmm. yeah. and that, that all of a sudden defined my relationship with you? You know, that would be very weird. Yep. So I think what, what we're, we're missing is that this was written to uh, a people who had a way of thinking. God was communicating to them. And if we don't understand their way of thinking, then we actually probably miss how God was speaking mm-hmm. because he wasn't actually speaking to 21st century Westerners. Mm-hmm. He was speaking to first century and before Easterners. Mm-hmm. And so God is very good at speaking people's language. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. even sometimes can read our own understanding into it, but we're going to get a much clearer picture and a much deeper understanding. If we get into the mindset of what God was actually trying to communicate and these authors, sometimes we forget that God has chosen throughout history to use people. Yep. And even as I listen to you speak, I, I learn something about God because we are created in the image of God. Yep. And God used Jews to teach us about him. He chose Abraham. He chose his line. He chose Israel. And understanding that helps us understand what the message is. I uh, I think about it in terms of a meme. So my husband loves to show me different memes that he'll see on Facebook. And he'll show me them. And sometimes I just don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm like, 
stereotypical person who's like, what does this mean? And it takes me a while to just get it. And once I do, I'm like, ah, ha, ha. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but it, I think about that with that Eastern versus Western. Because if we don't, if we don't get their context, we miss the whole thing. Like with a meme, you miss the joke, but with the Bible, we miss, we miss the point. And we can get some great stuff out of it, but we miss the point. And it reminds me of something that Marty talked about. He talked about the Western and Eastern perspective being like playing the piano and how with the left hand, that's our Western perspective. And it's just the harmony notes and the the right hand is the melody. And that's the, the point. You can really recognize it from the melody, but when it's together, it's rich. It's much richer together. And it, it was comforting because it's like, we have a part to play, but it's not the main part. The main part is the point of the joke. You got to get the point of the joke and then you can stretch it out to something bigger. And I think when we are like, well, what does this have to do with me? We're, we're missing the richness and the depth of it when we want to ignore the point just for what feels comfortable for us. I think you bring up a really great point there, Roxanne. But in, in doing this, we are threatening thousands, thousands, hundreds at least <laughs> of, of years of Western Christian tradition. And it, it, Christianity has been Western-centric since at least the Reformation back in the 1500s, maybe going back even more when you talk about you know, Roman Catholicism. And, and that idea, though, of that our story, our non-Jewish story is not the main story, is threatening to a, a lot of people. And I think what it does is it alters how we have to approach our Bible. But then again, there is a, from our Western perspective, now there's there's a our our worldview is under attack. Mm. We're not able to at least for me, I don't know about everybody. How I hear it is that oh, I've been doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm. Oh, well now I need to do it right. Yeah. And it's it's the my western mindset. Oh no, we've been doing it wrong and then I fold my arms. No, what are you talking about? I've been doing all sorts of things right at the same time. <laughs> you know, you're wrong and you you know forget that and and so it, it ends up being this um this tug of war or, 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 you know, attack towards my worldview. So I, mm. I, th- I think a question that we have to entertain is, all right, in a, in a, uh, in an effort to quote unquote, get it right, we can even swing back and forth so much and take a, we're, we're trying to have an Eastern perspective. Well, now we're using an Eastern perspective as a Western perspective. Yep. And yep. so that's the right way. So maybe, maybe it'd be helpful to discuss a little bit how, if we're going to make a shift to, like you said, like a piano player, bringing in both hands, both mm-hmm. parts to get the melody and the harmony in perfect to, to bring the whole, the fullness of the piece. How can we approach our Bibles? How can we approach our faith from bringing out the best in both sides and embracing both without uh, grabbing hold of one without letting go of the other? I'd like to talk about two things in that, on that vein. First of all is being comfortable with not knowing. Yeah. I almost feel like when I became a Christian, I solved the algebra problem. Mm -hmm. And now I was able to go and teach other people because I could easily show them the algebra problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you have sin, you need salvation, and it comes through Jesus. And it was a nice, neat, Simple. simple teaching. Yeah, and then I can just repeat that to everybody, and it's almost like a formula for success. Yep. Yep. Well, God is not in that box. Mm-mm. God is so much bigger than that. And when we simplify the gospel down to just the plan of salvation, we miss the fulfillment 
of all of Jesus' teachings, all of the Old Testament teachings, the fact that Jesus is the king that has fulfilled everything that God promised to Israel. So the first thing I've got to be comfortable with is there's a whole lot about God I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I have to start admitting that on a more regular basis. The second thing is the whole idea of paradox. There are paradox. so many <laughs> paradoxes. <laughs> and it no is way. like a pair of ducks because you have which duck is right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why am I chasing Good this job. analogy? <laughs> chase it, chase I don't it. know, but you should stop. <laughs> <laughs> but a paradox is when two ideas simultaneously exist, and they're both right even though they seem like they can't fit in the same space. And there are so many of these paradoxes in the Bible, and we think that because we understand one side of the story that we've got the complete picture. Mm. Can I ask you a question about that? Because there's there's also, you said something about, if I leave the gospel to be simple. Now, in my Bible, and what I've experienced a lot in my, my life and my faith is, yeah, there are deep things, but also... The message is simple and it's for ordinary unschooled men and it let the children come to me. The, mm-hmm. the gospel has to be simple like that. And when when it when I hear that it's deeper and that it's more and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I think we're getting away from the simple. How do you respond to to that? Um, there there was this time in my campus ministry when Doug Jacoby came to speak to us and he talked about the Bible being like being at the beach. And there's a level of experiencing the ocean where you're just on the beach, you're looking out on the water and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And there are people who just love going to the beach, Mm. but then there are those people who snorkel Mm. and then what they get from just snorkeling, they see a little more, they enjoy it so much. And you tell those beach people, come out, come snorkel. Beach people are fine. And then there's those people who scuba dive just a little bit. And it's completely different when you scuba dive. It's so much richer. Then there's those deep sea divers. And he talked about how there's so much to enjoy at every level. Mm. But we, we want to get to a place where eventually we go deep sea diving. Not that we stay down there forever because technically you die if you deep sea dive because we're humans. But that we, we need that richness. Mm. But it doesn't mean we have to only be in that depth of it. We can enjoy the simplicity. You don't have to have one or the other. I think that's our Western view to have one or the other. Well, it makes me think too, of if you're only deep sea diving, there comes a point where you're missing just the simple refreshment of this, the cool breeze, Yep. you know, and you just, you miss that. Um, and so I think it really is that balance of experiencing both the simplicity and the depth and God wants us to experience both. Um, and I love, I loved your point, Brett, about how we need to get comfortable with not knowing Mm -hmm. and being okay with us ourselves not knowing and also saying to others, I don't know. Um, And I agree, like when I first became a Christian seven years ago, I felt like I had, you know, I had the solution, I had the answers. And especially (laughs) going through the BAMA podcast over this last year or so, I have felt God stripping away so much of my foundation that I thought was key. But looking back now, where we're, there was self-righteousness, there was all these ideas and concepts of what it has to look like to be a Christian or what it has to look like to follow God or be in love with God. And it was really unnerving at first to realize like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things that I don't, I, I wish I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could go back and apologize. And I did this wrong or, you know, I didn't know this or I didn't know that. 
But learning to wrestle with that and embrace it. Like I have never felt more free until now to say, I don't know, or I literally could be just saying stuff that I'm in two years will tell you that was wrong. Or like I was just, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe even you're saying to that, that the knowledge that we have in the knowledge of God is also a paradox mm-hmm. that God himself, that he is both able, shallow and deep that we can fully know him and have no idea. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a quote that you made me think of that I think, I can't remember who it was talking about, but they were talking about the book of John. And I think it's, you know, I've mentioned this before, I think on a podcast, but the scriptures and God are shallow enough for a child to swim in and deep enough for an elephant to drown in. Wow. And that it is, it is both. And I, I think I love this as we're engaging more to, for, for, for you guys that are listening, um, to to think through like okay are are you willing to allow the the ebb and flow the relational aspect of god that god isn't a a thing to study he isn't a discrete uh concept that you learn about in physics there's no formula to god that there are things that are true but then there are things that are unfolding and to have the courage to admit when we don't know and to be excited to dig into that so I think that's gonna gonna wrap it up for this uh, for this section. We've still got a bunch more. We got all four pillars to talk about. So for Matt Fisk, Katie Fisk, Roxanne Little, and Brett Kreider, we will see you next time.